Chapter Nine of History of Chemistry, Volume Two by Sir Edward Thorpe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Stereoisomerism, Stereochemistry. The first gropings in the search for light on the inner structure of molecular groupings may be said to date from Biot's work on polarization. In 1815, Biot, a pupil of Melu, made the remarkable discovery that a number of naturally occurring organic compounds, for example, sugar, tartaric acid, oil of turpentine, camphor, etc., are optically active, that is, rotate the plane of polarization in one direction or the other. The property had previously been observed in quartz and was assumed to be connected with the crystalline character of that substance. Biot, however, pointed out that in the case of oil of turpentine, which is a liquid, and the cases of the other substances when in solution, showed that the crystalline character had no necessary connection with the phenomenon, but that it must be dependent upon the internal or molecular arrangement of the optically active substance. In 1844, Mitscherlich, who first demonstrated the relation between atomic constitution and crystalline form, drew attention to the fact that the salts of the isomeric modifications of tartaric acid, studied by Berzelius, although possessing the same chemical composition, the same crystalline form, with the same angles, the same double refraction, and therefore the same angles between their optical axes, nevertheless behave quite differently as regards their optical activity. Solutions of the tartrates rotating the plane of polarization, whereas those of the racemates are inactive. In 1848 this remarkable circumstance engaged the attention of Louis Pasteur, a young man who had just completed his course at the École Normale in Paris, and was acting as assistant to Ballard, the discoverer of the element bromine. Pasteur, on examining the crystals of the two forms of tartaric acid and of some of their salts, detected the presence on some of them of certain facets, so-called hemihedral faces, which had hitherto been unrecognized, but were similar to facets which Hayou had observed on quartz. Ayou had, in fact, divided quartz crystals into two classes, right-handed and left-handed, depending upon the side on which these facets occurred. The forms were, as it is termed, enantiomorphous. Biot, moreover, found that some quartz crystals, cut parallel to the axis, turned the plane of polarization to the right, whereas others turned it to the left, and Herschel suggested that the phenomena were probably connected, and such was found to be the case. Mindful of Herschel's observation, Pasteur found that the crystals of certain of the optically active tartrates showed hemihedral faces, whereas those of the corresponding racemates showed no trace of them. On recrystallizing the racemates, however, it was noticed that two sets of crystals were formed, in antiomorphic forms, the first set of crystals having hemihedral forms on the right-hand side and the second set on the left-hand side. The forms, in fact, were so related that one appeared as if it were the image as seen in a mirror of the other. When solutions of these crystals were examined, one set was found to rotate to the right, the other to an equal degree to the left. The dextrorotary salt yielded ordinary tartaric acid. The corresponding levorotary acid was a hitherto unknown modification. The two together, in equal proportions, constituted racemic acid. In 1863, Wislicenitz published a remarkable memoir on the synthesis of lactic acid. The acid in sour milk was discovered by Schiele in 1780. In 1807, Berzelius discovered a similar acid, 
called sarcolactic acid in muscle juice. This was erroneously pronounced by Liebig to be identical with that of sour milk. Other forms of lactic acid were made known, the structural character of which was not to be explained by current hypotheses. Wislicenus concluded that their differences could be due only to different arrangements of their atoms in space. In 1874, the conception of atomic grouping received a remarkable development by the publication of two memoirs, one by Van Hoff and the other by Lebel, which served to connect molecular structure with optical activity. Confining their attention to carbon compounds, they inferred that all optically active substances contained at least one multivalent atom united to other atoms or groups, so as to form in space an unsymmetrical arrangement. Van Hoff regarded the carbon atom as occupying the center of a tetrahedron, to the summits of which its valencies were directed. If different groupings are attached to these summits, the structure is asymmetrical and is optically active. The two forms of lactic acid, for example, may be represented by the following space formulae, each of which consists of a tetrasubstituted carbon atom with the four substituents situated at the corners of a tetrahedron. In one case, going from left to right, the substituents are methyl, CH3, hydrogen, H, hydroxyl, OH, and carboxyl, COOH. And in the other case, they consist of methyl, CH3, carboxyl, COOH, hydroxyl, OH, and hydrogen, H. It will be seen from an inspection of the figures that the one is the image form of the other, and no matter how they are turned, they are not superposable. They are right and left-handed, or, as it is termed, enantiomorphs. There is no fundamental distinction between the hypothesis of Van Hoff and Lebel as to the effect of asymmetry on optical behavior. Lebel regards the effect of asymmetry simply as a necessary consequence of the presence of four dissimilar groupings and as independent of valency in the geometrical form of the molecule. It was surmised by Pasteur that every liquid or solid in solution showing optical activity, if crystallizable, would be found to manifest hemihedral faces, but this has not been generally established. Further, it does not always happen that an optically active substance in solution is so when solid. Lastly, optical activity may be latent even in asymmetric carbon compounds if dextro or levo modifications are present in equal proportions, as in racemic acid. Such compounds are, in fact, termed racemic or racemoids, and they may be separated occasionally by crystallization, as in Pasteur's method with the tartrates, or, as shown by him, by the action of the racemoid upon another optically active substance, or lastly, by taking advantage of the specific action, specific assimilation of organisms, Pasteur's so-called biochemical method. It is a physiological fact of great interest that the behavior of enantiomorphs toward the animal organism is frequently markedly different. Levotartaric acid administered to guinea pigs is found to be twice as poisonous as the dextroacid. Dextroasparagine possesses a sweet taste, but levoasparagine is tasteless. Levonicotine is more poisonous than the dextroalkaloid. The ferments known as enzymes are also found to possess the power of selection, behaving differently towards the different optically active modifications of the same substance. It is frequently observed that an optically active substance may be rendered inactive by the conversion of half the substance into its enantiomorph. This operation was first performed by Pasteur, 
and may be brought about by heating the substance, either alone or with water, under pressure. Indeed, it is occasionally observed to take place at the ordinary temperature, autorasmization. By the action of various reagents, the derivatives of an optically active substance are found not unfrequently to change the direction of their optical activity. Indeed, by such means, one enantiomorph may be changed into another. Thus, levomenthol may be converted into the dextro modification by treatment with sulfuric acid. The rotary power of a substance is frequently modified by the character of its solvent and varies with the temperature and concentration of the solution. Landau and Udermans found that the specific rotation of dilute solutions of tartrates and of salts of the active alkaloids was independent of the nature of the base and acid respectively present, a fact which finds its explanation in the theory of electrolytic dissociation. It has been known for some years past that the specific rotation of solutions of certain sugars changes with time, being sometimes less and sometimes more than the initial amount. This phenomenon is now known as multi-rotation or mutarotation. It seems to be connected with an alteration in the configuration of the molecules. There is a special case of stereoisomerism differing from that of optical isomerism and of structural isomerism, with which we have hitherto been alone concerned, which was predicted by Van Hoff in his remarkable work La Camille dans l'espace, published in 1877, noteworthy as being the first serious attempt to grapple with the problem of spatial molecular grouping, foreshadowed by Wollaston, Berzelius, and, indeed, all the early philosophic thinkers who accepted the atomic theory. The special form of stereoisomerism now referred to, which has been more particularly investigated by Wislicinus, is distinguished as geometrical isomerism, not perhaps a sufficiently descriptive term, since, comprehensively, all forms of isomerism are really cases of geometrical isomerism. Instances of it are to be met with among the isomeric acids existing as glycerides in certain fats, in cinnamic acid, in stilbene and its derivatives, etc. It was first observed in malaic and fumaric acids, isomeric acids of the empirical formula C2H2, parentheses COOH and parentheses 2, obtained by the distillation of malic acid, the characteristic acid met with in the apple and other fruits, and in certain other vegetal products. These acids may be represented by the following space formulae. Malaic acid, which consists of a carbon-carbon double bond, where each carbon bears one hydrogen and one carboxyl group, CO2H, and both carboxyl groups are on the same side of the double bond, and fumaric acid, which consists of the same carbon-carbon double bond, with each carbon bearing one hydrogen and one carboxyl group, CO2H, where the two carboxyl groups are on opposite sides of the double bond, which show no asymmetry, and hence no possibility of optical activity or enantiomorphous modifications. In the case of malic acid, it will be seen that the same groups, COOH or hydrogen, are represented on the same side of the molecule. In other words, they are placed symmetrically in a plane, whereas in fumaric acid they are placed diagonally, or are axially symmetrical. Isomers of the first case are classified as malanoid, or cis forms, where those of the latter are termed fumaroid, or trans forms. Substances of the character referred to are, as a rule, mutually convertible with more or less ease. 
they are susceptible of what is called geometrical inversion. Thus, fumaric acid may be readily converted into maleic acid by heating. Maleic chloride is gradually transformed into fumaric chloride at ordinary temperatures. Sunlight, or a particular solvent, or the presence of some substance which acts as a catalyst, may affect the inversion. Cis and trans isomerism is also met with among cyclic compounds. It occurs among the terpenes and certain alkaloids, as, for example, cocaine exhibited. Although the doctrine of stereochemistry was first enunciated in the case of carbon, and was indeed for a time solely confined to compounds in which carbon was the nucleal element, there is no a priori reason why the phenomenon should be so restricted. Van Hoff, in fact, in 1878, discussed the question in relation to nitrogen compounds. Stereoisomeric nitrogen derivatives were first obtained by Victor Meyer and his pupils, and the stereochemistry of nitrogen has since proved to be a very fruitful field of investigation, notably in the hands of Goldschmidt, Beckmann, Hansch, and Werner, Lebel, Leidenberg, Bamberger, Kipping, H. O. Jones, Pope, and others. The stereochemistry of nitrogen differs from that of carbon, inasmuch as variation of valency plays a far more important part in the case of nitrogen than it has hitherto been observed to do in that of carbon. The spatial representation of the trivalent nitrogen atom differs from that of the pentavalent atom. Lebel, in 1891, succeeded in obtaining an optically active nitrogen enantiomorph by the application of Pasteur's biochemical method. Optically active compounds have since been prepared by Pope and Peachy and H. O. Jones. Pope and Peachy have also prepared optically active compounds of sulfur, selenium, and tin, and Kipping has obtained an asymmetric compound of silicon. In 1863, Guther, and independently Franklin and Dupa, made known the existence of acetoacetic ester. By Guther, this compound was termed ethyl diacetic acid, CH3C, parentheses OH, and parentheses, double bond CH, COO, C2H5. By Franklin and Dupa, it was considered to be acetone carboxylic acid, CH3, CO, CH2, COO, C2H5. The essential difference in these formulae, as the two names respectively indicate, is that the first implies that the ester has an acidic or hydroxylic character, proved by its forming characteristic salts. The other, that it contains the group CO, proved by its yielding acetone and the usual reactions of the ketones. The attempt to settle the constitution of this substance gave rise to much controversy, and, as it was found to be very reactive, led to a great amount of conflicting experimental work. The ultimate result was to show that both formulae are correct. At the time of reaction, the ester is sometimes hydroxylic, at other times ketonic, or, adopting the terminology of Brühl, it sometimes shows the enol form and at other times the keto form. Other substances were subsequently found to behave in the same way. In 1885, the question was discussed by Lahr, who suggested the term tautomerism, from the Greek torto, the same, meros, a part, to denote the fact that one and the same substance could have structural formulae varying with conditions of reaction and depending upon the migrations of certain of its atoms within the molecule. During the last twenty years, a large number of examples of the kind have been discovered. They are found to occur not only among aliphatic substances, but also in cyclic and heterocyclic compounds. We now know that such intermolecular changes may occur 
by the migration of any of the elements or groups present in the molecule. Thus, to confine ourselves to simple and well-known examples, the transformation of sodium phenylcarbonate into sodium salicylate, discovered by Kolbe, is due to the wandering of an atom of hydrogen from the benzene residue to oxygen. Thus, sodium phenylcarbonate, C6H5OCOONA, consists of a benzene ring with five of the carbons bearing a hydrogen and the sixth carbon bearing the group OCO2NA. Going to sodium salicylate, C6H4OHCOONA, which consists of a benzene ring with four of the carbons bearing hydrogen, and of the remaining two adjacent carbons, one bears a hydroxyl group, OH, and the other a sodium carboxylate, CO2NA. The conversion of the nitriles into the cyanides by heating is due to the transference of the alkyl radical from the nitrogen atom to the carbon atom. RNC goes to NCR. Alkyl groups may also be transferred from oxygen to nitrogen. A radical may detach itself from a carbon atom and wander to a nitrogen atom. Radicals and cyclic compounds may be transferred from the side chains to the nucleus, etc. The phenomenon, in fact, is now so general that grave doubts have been thrown upon the uniform value of deducing the structural formula of a substance from the study of its decomposition products, or from the nature of its derivatives, owing to the readiness with which totomerism may occur. The change may be brought about by variation of temperature, by the reagent itself, by the action of a solvent, or the presence of a catalyst, that is, of a substance which apparently plays no part in the metamorphosis. Hence the value of specific reagents as clues to constitution is considerably weakened, since the results may be equivocal. Fortunately, the great extension within recent years of the application of physical methods has considerably strengthened our means of gaining an insight into molecular structure. In the investigations of Brule on refraction and dispersion, of Perkin on magnetic rotation, of Hanch on electrical conductivity, of Lowry on solubility, of Lowry and E.F. Armstrong on optical activity, of Knorr and Findlay on melting points, and lastly of Hartley, Doby, Lauder, Bally, and Desch on absorption spectra have collectively afforded valuable information on the mechanism of isomeric change based upon dynamical considerations. Space will not permit of a more extended treatment of the subject of stereochemistry, and certain matters relating to it, as, for example, the phenomena classed under the term steric hindrance, must be left unnoticed. This term has reference to the hindrance which certain groups, or the particular distribution in space of certain atoms, exert on the progress or extent of a reaction, as, for example, of hydrolysis or esterification, etc. The influence of special groupings in retarding chemical change is apparently well established, but no comprehensive theory of the subject is yet possible. Until such a theory is forthcoming, a dynamical theory of stereochemistry is incomplete. End of chapter 9